Hello, thank you for tuning in to Marketing Connected. My name is Janice Tan, and I am your host for this new series titled Not Your Usual Marketing. We often hear from brands in sectors such as FMCG, FMB, e-commerce, and even banking about their marketing plans. However, what does marketing mean in industries that we don't often hear about? Well, that's what we're here to find out. In this series, we'll be featuring brands and individuals that are generally more understated in the eyes of consumers when it comes to marketing and the interesting ways they have had to think out of the box to capture attention. They include female sexual wellness company Smile Makers, the Asian Civilizations Museum, tattoo artist Jake Sparkle, and resistance band company Bandau Sisters. Today's episode features Kenny Ting, director of Asian Civilizations Museum, and Professor Sonia Prokopek, LVMH Chair Professor and Asset Associate Academic Director, Center of Excellence in Luxury, Art and Culture, Asia Pacific. Kenny and Professor Sonia will be talking about the Asian Civilizations Museum's approach to drawing visitors and the future of museums. Hi Kenny and Prof Sonia, thank you for joining us today. Could you share more about what you do? Let me go first. Go ahead. Sure. <laughs> um, I'm uh, Kenny Ting. I'm the director of the Asian Civilizations Museum and the Peranaka Museum. Uh, I'm also concurrently the group director of museums at the National Heritage Board. Uh, but essentially, uh, I uh, professionally, I suppose I'm an arts administrator. Uh, I, I run and manage a large uh, arts or cultural um, organization. Uh, in my own time, I'm also a writer and a, and a sort of a researcher. I'm very interested in the history of uh, Asian port cities uh, that are very similar to Singapore. And uh, I've also got a series of books that I uh, published uh, uh, beyond the museum. Thanks, Kenny. What about you, Prof. Sonia? Uh, yes, so I'm uh, Sonia Prokopak. I'm a professor of marketing and I've, uh, I'm uh, with the SEC Business School. So I've been with the SEC for 14 years, uh, of which nine I have spent in France, in Paris, France, and now five years exactly here in Singapore. Um, I'm, um, uh, I specialize, so I'm a, I'm a professor of marketing. I, I teach all sorts of topics, but I really specialize in, um, in luxury brand management and uh, premium, uh, anything to do with premium branding, premium experiences, consumer insights when it comes to uh, this type of, uh, this group of consumers and so on. So I work with uh, all the big uh, luxury conglomerates, uh, but I also uh, love to work and I've been working uh, um, more and more uh, with, uh, um, with uh, for example, uh, trade and fashion uh, organization of Singapore, where I've been mentoring and, and uh, part of their council, uh, involving myself with young designers um, that are starting, that need help uh, building their brands. Uh, so it's a very kind of a broad range of, of, um, of uh, interest that I have. And of course, is, uh, art is a big component of inspiration for luxury brands. Uh, it is also uh, a very keen interest of mine to um, to work together like we have with the uh, with the beautiful museums like ACM. Kenny, what is ACM's marketing approach and the main channels you are utilizing? 
Um, the ACM is in a very interesting uh, place uh, because we recently completed a very major multi-year uh, refresh of our mission, uh, our entire uh, museum, uh, how we collect, uh, and also our brand. Uh, so we've become a sort of, uh, well, not a sort of, we've become the National Decorative Art Museum. Uh, and uh, we've also moved ourselves into the space of uh, contemporary uh, design uh, for a start fashion, but certainly we're going to sort of take on the furniture world and all of that later. Uh, so I think that also means we've shifted quite uh, dramatically in terms of the marketing approach uh, that we, uh, we we have. I think for starters, uh, we're a lot more visual now. So I think uh, a wonderful image speaks mountains. Uh, and, and we believe very firmly in the strength of our collection and everything that we do uh, at the museum. Uh, so our marketing channels, I guess, is a mix of uh, traditional as well as more uh, contemporary ways uh, 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 or, or channels of marketing. Uh, so we still very much depend on um, news media. Uh, we have very strong ties with the editors uh, of not just mainstream uh, uh, press and journals, but also increasingly the fashion, design, lifestyle uh, journals and magazines. So that bit is new. Uh, you know, we've always had good relationships with, say, the mainstream media anyway. Uh, of course, outdoor sort of paid advertisements, that's still very key. So a lot of our, uh, the visibility for our exhibitions comes from the ads that we have on that city SMRT networks or at uh, Changi Airport and such. Uh, so that remains key. I think the two sort of uh, uh, avenues that we find are newer and a bit more important now, first of all, of course, is social media. Uh, again, because we're very strong on visuals, uh, Instagram, uh, is something that is very, very natural for us. And, and increasingly, we see a lot more of our footfall being driven by uh, social media, such as uh, Instagram. We've also moved into WeChat for the Chinese market. And then uh, fourthly, very, very importantly, uh, is marketing through collaboration. Uh, you know, working, let's say, um, you know, with, with, with ESSEC. We also work with the Textile Fashion Federation, <laughs> who represents the, uh, the, the fashion designers uh, in Singapore. And uh, it is through these collaborations with other sort of like-minded partners that we can reach out to uh, segments of uh, the public that we would otherwise not be able to reach out to. Mm, okay, well, we will definitely discuss your collaboration with ESSEC in a bit. But before that, could you share some misconceptions consumers typically have about museums such as ACM and the marketing that they do? I think the perennial challenge or misconception for us is that, you know, um, because we are primarily a museum of antiquities, it's all old and dusty and boring. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of the major challenges that we have is to find ways in which to tell younger audiences that actually, you know what, old is the new new. Mm. You know, we find, you know, we find uh, contemporary ideas for the future through looking mm -hmm. back at our past. So we, 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 we have to do this to survive. But in the meantime, we also have a very staunch sort of like a, a visitor base that we cannot um, alienate. Mm -hmm. So again, this boils down again um, to us articulating very clearly what our brand is. Um, and um, and how marketing pushes out our brand. So, you know, we have these brand essences that we believe very strongly in beauty, wonder, and relevance. And we believe these to be universal things. So they ought to speak to, to whoever, whatever age group, whatever sort of community you come from. Uh, so it's, it's always sort of focusing on, uh, you know, the, the, the beautiful visuals, uh, looking at, you know, encouraging people to gasp with wonder 
whenever mm. they step into our museum or to look at the kinds of campaigns that we have. And mm. also ensuring that the storylines, you know, that we have are also very, very relevant. So the so mm. marketing is insufficient without the product to yeah. market. And so we've made a huge shift also in terms of the product that we have in the recent years. So we, if you notice our exhibitions, we don't just present antiquities anymore. We always try to sort of, uh, you know, link the antiquities up with a, very, a sort of quote unquote recognizable brand. So mm -hmm. we had a Guapay exhibition. We just closed off our Russell Wong exhibition. We did a show on raffles. <laughs> so we depend on these uh, in order to sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, so that our marketing campaigns can also be easier. Do you have any thoughts on this, Prof. Sonia? I think what Kenny said was uh, really on point. I think you need to, first of all, um, have a, a, a good product to start with. And when you, but when you have a good product, it's also how, how can you be more inviting and more relevant? And these are good examples of what he just mentioned in, in making things more relevant for the younger audience. I think that one of the key misconceptions is um, I think generally is the fact that um, if it's not something that is digitally immersive or, you know, mm -hmm. or something new, that it's not really uh, relevant for, it's a, for a very small group of, of culture connoisseurs and not really for a broader audience. And there could be things, for example, just maybe thinking I'm not, you know, educated enough. I'm not culturally um knowledgeable enough to be mm. able to understand it will be boring and etc etc mm. and those I think are uh, things that uh, of course different cultures uh, educate from a younger age or you know or, or or don't so you can you have these two varying degrees in dif different markets but I think you know one of the key things is to understand that uh, for the museums to understand that actually the role um is to make themselves more accessible and more relevant, like all these great examples that Kenny was mentioning, mm -hmm. because that's exactly how you will attract uh, uh, those consumers who are lighter on culture or who are maybe intimidated to come in. ESSEC also played a role in helping ACM become more accessible and interesting to consumers. Now, Prof Sonia, you have a background in luxury, art and culture. And from what I understand, you reached out to ACM because you felt that, you know, museums today are facing what luxury brands dealt with in the past, which was being high in value but struggling with a disconnect from society. Could you tell us more about how this partnership came about? We were uh, chatting on a, a, it was a, a discussion about the future of museums. And I just thought in that moment, and I'm not sure how, I think Kenny is really exceptional in the fact that he's a real innovator in the museum industry, because I'm not sure many people would like my idea of comparing, you know, museums to luxury brands and thinking, you know, how can we make this more, uh, how can we make this more fun, more playful, more engaging? So I, um, I reached out to him uh, and I said, well, we could do a challenge where we, our students work on a case study that is relevant uh, for you. And I think it could be relevant. It would be everything that we could think of that would, we would bring ideas from the luxury industry um, uh, where it would make pre-experience uh, or pre-visit during the visit and uh, and post visit uh, part of the uh, of the um, experience with ACM uh, mm -hmm. more inviting more uh, just offer more uh, kind of out of the box ideas uh, that would um, 
that especially that would resonate with young people. So this was a group of uh, master uh, students in marketing and digital business. And they also have uh, several courses on luxury brand management. So they really were well aware of what's happening both in the digital marketing sphere as well as in the luxury brand uh, with the luxury brand and luxury industry so they were a, a good group and there were 10 teams that worked on this mm. at the same time and we um, we selected the top four who came to present at the ACM uh, and uh, and and the, it was quite difficult to even select the four because initially we said three and then we we're like okay there's one more <laughs> that is really good and they came with different ideas and um, for the students it was a, a fantastic experience because it was really thinking about how they can apply what they're learning in the classroom but also because we shouldn't think of industries in silos you know so you what you learn in one if it's a complementary you could actually uh, really think about adapting it to um, to another industry that in, in this case very complementary right so mm -hmm. so that was the project and they really could see that like uh, what Kenny mentioned you have a beautiful product and you need to start with that if there's no if the product is uh, is not a high quality product then a lot of things would be difficult to apply but if you have that beautiful product and an open mindset, innovators mindset, then everything is really applicable. So, Kenny, what were some ideas that stood out to you? I read online that, you know, there was a Tinder idea. Could you share more about that? <laughs> I think uh, that that was one of those um, ideas uh, that I very much liked uh, because it was so completely out of the blue. It's not something that we would have thought of uh, and, um, and I think precisely it's because of the possibility of these ideas that it's important to collaborate. So, you know, I think Sonia's too kind about, you know, making me blush, but innovators fine, whatever. <laughs> I mean, to me, I just, I'm just full of curiosity about, about you know, how people think. And, and, and I feel like, um, you know, the museum uh, is, is, I mean, it should really just be an open space. And without people coming in to sort of, you know, play with what we have, in the broader sense of the term, then it would be just so boring, <laughs> even for myself. <laughs> so I think this collaboration came from from that point of view. And there were there were multiple, I, I would say, multiple um, ideas that I thought were great across the team. So the Tinder Tinder was one yeah. again because it. Okay, I'm just going to say that quickly, but I also want to point out the other ones. That I really sure. liked. Um, but the, the the Tinder campaign was just great because uh, again because we, we just never have done it before. And, um, and um, but I've always liked the idea of the museum being a place of romance, you know, of that, that you know, why haven't we sort of reached out to the sort of the, the former, okay, I don't know if, if our non-Singaporean audiences will understand, it's the former sort of SDU market, you know, <laughs> the, 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 you know, where, where, where people, you know, who want to find love, you know, why mm -hmm. not find it at the, at the museum? And, and to me, after listening to what the students said, I thought, actually, you know what, this particular show lends itself really well to a date, you know, and, and romance and more. So, so that, yeah. that, that, that really struck, struck me as the most important. There were other things as well. So, for mm -hmm. example, you know, just to tie in with the uh, Japanese restaurants and other 
uh, kinds of Japanese uh, lifestyle type of businesses and experiences mm. around the precinct that was also really great. Um, the merchandising aspect of things that, you know, exploring how merchandising also has a very important role to play in terms of marketing. Uh, mm. That was that was also very great. I think one of the other things we, uh, we took, another recommendation we took is to have an ACM mask, which I can't believe we didn't have, but the <laughs> students recommended it. So now, you know, we have these sort of ACM logo masks that mm. we wear and give to our uh, friends. <laughs> I see. So when did all these marketing ideas roll out or are they still in the works? They're all rolled out already. I see. So, okay. I mean, the, in the course of the exhibition, so the exhibition just ended uh, last week. Uh, was it last week? October 17th is when it ended. So mm-hmm. we sort of progressively rolled out uh, um, these uh, uh, some of the major recommendations in terms of advertising and marketing uh, in the course of the exhibition. Yeah. Mm. Mm, okay, what has the feedback been like so far with regards to your marketing? Guess what? So we basically, <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're still part of the National Heritage Board. And the yeah. National Heritage Board recently just uh, commissioned a brand consultancy uh, to look at the various brands of the, you know, the big museums. And for us, uh, so they interviewed um, a lot of people, I suppose. For us, you know, our brand is now today associated with these words like boldness, energy, uh, at being adventurous, uh, open-minded, uh, you know, unique, cosmopolitan, um, and also uh, the uh, you know the the segment that appeared to mo- most likely be able to recall us uh, were students in tertiary institutions, which is such a huge shift because if you think about it, um, we're an antiquities museum, you know, <laughs> so so that that we you know so we're associated with purpose, uh, aspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, very, very forward-looking uh, sort of a brand. And I, and I think that comes with, um, you know, not just, you know, this particular collaboration, uh, but also in some ways, the, 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 the you know, the the, the, the the kinds of shows and the kinds of broad collaborations that we do. I think this particular collaboration is just sort of like, you know, it, it sort of like sealed the deal, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. That's great. Wow. Maybe that's yeah. why the partnership was also, you know, in a in a way made sense because of the repositioning and all the, you know, the future uh, oriented strategy that ACM has been implementing, that a lot of these brands and a lot of these strategies that the students did suggest made sense and were taken as a, something that can be easily rolled out. Uh, in a short term, even though we did say, you know, I, at the end, I said also include ideas that, you know, that were out of the box that maybe will not be possible to roll out right now, but, mm-hmm. you know, but they will be something that they can consider for the future. But I think the fact is that, you know, you need to have for a good partnership, you need to have aligned kind of um, goals and values in a way to really make the partnership work. Well, that totally makes sense. Prof. Sonia, I want to go back to what you said earlier, which was about how we shouldn't think about industries in silos, but rather adapt the strategies from one industry to another. What do museums and the luxury industry have in common when it comes to marketing? You know, this is probably one of my favorite things to discuss is uh, how, can, how uh, you know, sometimes I, uh, I think you, you talk to people and say, oh, but luxury industry is just, uh, you know, a separate on its own, cannot really um, cannot really think of it outside of, of that particular sector, but it's actually not true. You have to look at, for example, one of the key things is the fact that you have um, really strong, usually museums like uh, luxury brands have long history. Mm-hmm. Uh, often they have beautiful products. Now, how they 
maybe have to present that product that's a question but you know that that could be part of their uh, challenge but they have a strong dna they're very authentic very often so these are all things that really resonate well with the consumers now um you have uh, what, what luxury brands have been very good at is innovating. And while keeping that DNA very close to their brand, mm-hmm. they're able to innovate and not appear dusty, not appear irrelevant, be in line with the narrative of the consumers, especially the younger consumers who are mm-hmm. the driving force in a, a lot of trends and innovations that we are seeing. And that's, that's where the similarities are. So when you start with a really beautiful product and, and uh, you have these strong DNA, strong values, this authenticity that comes with the brand, then you can really apply the very, uh, all, all the framework from the luxury brand management to, uh, to any other product category, including, of course, heritage sites, museums, uh, and especially because um, art is... At the, bo- at the source of inspiration for so many luxury brands. You can, you know, you see, for example, Dior, you know, who was yeah. Christian Dior, who was the first artist and then became a, a couturier, right? So, and uh, Louis Vuitton with the foundation, you know, and all these beautiful brands who are really taking inspiration from the art. So it's really, uh, it's it makes so much sense to to look at it as, um, as, as really uh, very complementary. Well, you know, as with any other marketing campaign, it's important for the story of ACM to be told and for consumers to have that, you know, that intimate experience with the exhibition. Aside from the Tinder date idea and working with Japanese restaurants, how else did the both of you work together to create that unique experience for consumers? I think one of the opportunities we had, uh, at least was at the, right at the beginning, myself and my Head of marketing. Uh, I, I have to. I have to also sort of sh- shout out to my head of marketing, Mr. Um, Ian Liu, mm-hmm. uh, because none of this would be possible without him. And you know, we were at least uh, we were given the opportunity to talk to the students. You know, to get uh, uh, to share what uh, the kinds of challenges that we were going through uh, and uh, the kinds of expectations that we had, and to also get a view and feedback from the students already. It's quite early on in the process. Um, as to, you know, where this could go. So I think just being able to collaborate from the very beginning, uh, mm. you know, that, that, that we were both coming in with a sort of problem statement uh, that we were addressing or, 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 you know, for which we were sort of shaping collectively the, the, the possible sort of uh, framework of various kinds of solutions, that was very important. Mm. Yeah, and then being able to take it through to the practical implementation, I suppose, yeah. Mm. Okay. Maybe I can mention a couple of ideas that, you know, that we were more out of the box and sure. that they were not implemented for this. Some of the out of the box ideas that I really liked were the, that they really um, uh, came up with a very uh, innovative idea on how a merchandising shop could look and all the different collaborations that they could consider. So, of course, these collaborations were um, in, in line with their objective, which was the uh, particularly uh, uh, the exhibition. But, you know, you could think about how you could 
take that forward and into and make it relevant for any other future uh, collaboration. Because a lot of the things, obviously, that were in these out of the box ideas were ideas that are more long term, that were be quite difficult to implement in a period of three months. But they could be something that the museum, uh, ACM, Kenny, and Ian would consider for the long term. Um, so, for example, the importance of you know of uh, of actually having something to take away that you know the, from the experience that is really unique that you it can also be some, one of the driving forces of coming to the museum in the first place mm. that was one idea I think that was uh, that was really um, well executed I think another one that was um, that was interesting is how um, how the ACM is uh, using their space you know and then and of course again we are we are now not in a <laughs> moment where we could be, but hopefully we could be, you know, fairly soon. You know, there's a beautiful garden in the front. There's the mm. rooftop, you know. So those are all uh, uh, spaces. And there were some really interesting ideas there from the students' perspective as well, in terms of how that can be made into part of the experience of ACM as well. So these again are more long term and more about, um, you know, giving another reason that would uh, that to come and enjoy the ACM that could tie to the ACM values. Mm. Uh, and Sonia, I would tell you now that it wasn't because of COVID, we would have done the garden like <laughs> idea with the lights and it was yeah. very beautiful. <laughs> I have to say, such a pity, but you know, for yeah. future reference. Yeah, yes, <laughs> once <absolutely>. we can. <laughs> Kenny, since Prof Sonia talked about out of the box ideas, what is one unconventional marketing tactic that ACM has rolled out so far? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most impactful, and again, I think I'm going to call out to my head of marketing, Mr. Ian Liu, for this, sure. uh, was this uh, a campaign we did on Spotify uh, in 2017 when we had our uh, chosen uh, career court treasures and city life exhibition. Uh, it didn't cost very much. There was a commissioned rap, I think there was a playlist on Spotify related to K-pop and, and, and traditional, you know, Korean, maybe, you know, being, being, this being a, an exhibition of traditional or historic mm -hmm. Korean art. Um, it would go on to win three awards that year in the Singapore, I can't remember what it was, Singapore Media Awards, I think. And uh, it won best uh, in terms of budget use, best in audio, but also the overall Grand Prix. Mm. And it is something that we totally just didn't expect at all. It was something that, it was our first foray, again, into a, a social media platform that wasn't just Instagram. I don't think we even were on Instagram at that point. <laughs> so, so that, Jimmy, I still remember very fondly as one of the, the first kind of un unconventional campaigns uh, that we, we did, you know, just very soon after I took over. Talking about budgets. Okay, so how much of your budget is now allocated to digital? And do you struggle to convince your management that you need to park more budget under this segment? We have very little budgets for marketing in general. You would be very surprised at how small our marketing budgets are. I would say, you know, I mean, I don't know, our, our, our digital marketing budgets are like low five figures, maybe at most. Mm -hmm. um, so we depend a lot on goodwill and we depend a lot on having good content, good visuals uh, and on mm -hmm. engagement. I spend most of my time myself, uh, myself too, uh, you know, engaging with the, the editors of the mainstream press, uh, but also we engage uh, with the influencers, uh, you know, in normal times, when we have a special exhibition, such as the Russell Wong one, mm -hmm. we would always have a special Key Opinion Leaders preview. We have like all kinds of previews. Uh, and that's, mm -hmm. that's our way of keeping in touch. So in the absence of marketing dollars, we, we, we you know, we use, we build up goodwill capital 
and mm. engagement capital with all of these editors and players in the scene. And we don't just we don't discriminate. We basically reach out to as many avenues of quote unquote reporting in the broad sense mm. of the term as as possible. Uh, and of course, there's also the avenue of the collaborators. So we wouldn't, we weren't collaborating with us. Like if we weren't collaborating with Tasse, then we wouldn't be able to reach out to that segment of of visitors. Mm, okay. Is there a particular group of influencers you reach out to? If it's uh, if it's a fashion related exhibition, and then we would reach out to those who would be a lot more in tune uh, with 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 fashion. Uh, if it's something somewhat more historic, like you know the raffle show, it's more you know reaching out to the Singapore heritage enthusiasts. Mm. So it really depends on the nature of the exhibition. We stand guided also again by our partners and my board. So we okay. have members on my board uh, who are also very much in the lifestyle media scene. So oftentimes I depend also on members of my board to be able to sort of bring on board, for example, the major uh, fashion influencers. Say, okay, you have word of mouth, goodwill capital, and traditional marketing. Kenny, what would be the main focus for you among these three? I think for us, it's always still a good visual and a good story. Okay. That that's really it. I mean, okay. at the end of the day, people want a good story and they want to come and be entertained. So we play this very challenging role as a museum, you know, where mm-hmm. there's definitely this element of education that has to take place, and that yeah. I still feel that's very important. But I don't like this idea of didactically beating people on the head with it. And there are ways to educate that are non-textual. So I believe very firmly in the visual. I believe very firmly in the experiential. And I also find that you know, when you focus on these universal things like you know how people feel and how people react. To visuals and to the your environment, mm. people naturally come, and we've been we've had very huge success. I would say, in since twenty fifteen till now, we've had our visitorship double. Our median age has come down. It used to be mm. like above forty, but now it's like I think it was thirty four last year, thirty three possibly. Okay. And uh, and and also, you know, you just we just get a lot more um, uh, positive word of mouth uh, with with. Uh, with the the kinds of exhibitions we do, and we don't shy away from doing taking creative risks. So right now, you know, we have another exhibition. Uh, you know, the, the Russell Wong exhibition was a bit of a risk as well because mm-hmm. we've never done something like this before. But we have a show right now also on Singapore fashion, yes. which is the first show ever in the museum to feature contemporary Singapore fashion and uh, practicing designers. So I think it's also partly the openness to take risks and to sort of just do stuff that is not so conventional. Mm, okay, and how do you convince your board to take risks? Oh, I get scolded a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, I think you you do things one step at a time. So the Guapay show was planned for a long time, mm-hmm. and when I, you know, for we 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 had it in twenty nineteen, and up until the end, there was still a bit of concern as to whether or not this is something ACM should do, and we took a lot of advice. Uh, So we ended up not doing just a show on fashion. It had to be linked very closely to our collection. That was an advice that we took. <laughs> it turned out very successful. But because of that, then we win the kudos, right? So we win the trust of the board, uh, our patrons and donors as well, because there are also very long-term patrons and donors who give to us whose support we still need. Mm-hmm. And with that, I get a little bit more of a cachet to be able to take more risks. The Singapore fashion one, also, um, I, I hate to say this because it's going to sound so horrid, but <laughs> if it's not for COVID. I would still be scolded for it. It would be again like, <laughs> why are you going this way? But then the fact is, because of COVID, we can't bring in exhibitions from abroad uh, for for multiple reasons, no travel and such. So then suddenly, 
they, you know, our board and people see that actually this direction of supporting our own talent, which I think mm-hmm. is very important, is key. And so something that seemed a bit kind of out of the blue now seems so uh, critical and in line with the times. I think that's why I said, you know, uh, uh, Kenny has a very open mind, you know, like he said himself, curious, because it is not common to, in the museum industry, to do things that are more considered fashion or more considered, you know, so, but it is actually the fact that that's where the industry is going. And innovation and risk taking a little bit, sometimes, you know, might not work out. But the fact is that you're going to get new people to hear about you you're going to get younger consumers to come and visit you know and that's what will take for the museum to start recruiting younger audiences audiences who are more interested in maybe light culturally but interested in the lifestyle in the design and all, all those uh, related industries mm. so it's important to have um, this open-mindedness I think you know that's the key today with any kind of brand that has long history, whether we're talking about museums, heritage sites, or, you know, we're talking about luxury brands, it's, you know, this open-mindedness and ability to create a narrative that resonates uh, with younger people. That's really, I think, the future. And of course, it's risky, but it's risky just because it's not your narrative. <laughs> it is the narrative to the um, that you know that you see today really drastic differences in the narrative mm. of uh, of you know of brands that were two hundred years old, right? So uh, or, or more. What do you think the future of museum marketing would be like, and why? <laughs> the future of museum marketing. Um, I mentioned this at the beginning, and I think there is the pre-visit, the visit, and the yeah. post-visit. So I think the pre-visit part is, you know, the communication that, that you share that could be the communication, the partnerships, everything that you can do that puts the brand forward and what the brand stands for. And, you know, changing that perception to making it more relevant, more bold, more future oriented, even if it is a very old, for example, a Museum of Antiquities, why not? Because innovating while still preserving your true DNA is really one of the core pillars of luxury brand management. And I think that's absolutely applicable to the marketing in in the museum. So I think the pre-visit, being able to be digitally interesting, be digitally Mm -hmm. relevant, have a narrative that speaks to a younger audience, because also younger audience, even though they're maybe light in terms of coming, they're the ones that are driving on the trans innovations. They're the ones that are pushing everything that's happening uh, in terms of the market consumer behavior. And then I would say, you know, post-visit, again, these are great opportunities in terms of the merchandising, the collaboration with brands, events, partnership events. For example, luxury brands love to collaborate with museums because those two industries are very much linked, as I already said. So partnered events, experiences, again, are the key. And that's where the, the museum really has something to offer is that, you know, experience, but also something to kind of give them another reason to go. If, for example, they consider themselves not a culture connoisseur. I guess uh, just to add on to Sonia's points, which I absolutely agree with, I think that, you know, even within the space of the museum itself, um, how we work has shifted fundamentally uh, in order for us to be able to survive. And I think both in terms of uh, even the curation or how we work internally and, and the marketing of the stuff that we do, mm-hmm. um, increasingly it's important to, to demonstrate and to communicate that we're working with community, that we are, in, you know, we are part of a larger community and ecosystem. 
Um, you know, because ultimately, also in some ways, uh, you know, the museum is not just about the objects. It's also about the people that are in it, that work with it. And so, and so, so increasingly, I would say that collaborations is the future. You know, I'd be the first to tell you that, you know, a couple of years back, we planned all these huge shows and collaborations at the national level with various different museums. I've had to cancel three of them. Oh, you know, gosh. it just can't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then I take this opportunity to do something more adventurous, to be able to sort of work with, you know, the talent that's right here. And I think that the kind of messaging in museum marketing, you know, I, I, at least in Singapore, to me, I feel that's very important, is to message, uh, you know, by in any way, uh, you know, whether it's a museum or at ASEC or any sort of, you know, institution, that we have so much talent here. Uh, with mm-hmm. lots of talent uh, in Singapore, uh, of all kinds, it is marketing, curatorial, design, etc. With loads of talent also in Asia in general. I cannot forget that we are an Asian museum and ASEC is also global. So anything that we can do uh, in order to market that there is a lot of talent that's just right here uh, where we are and that we're working closely to find ways to sort of support, provide a developmental platform for this talent, that is key. Thank you for tuning in to Not Your Usual Marketing. To keep abreast of the latest marketing and advertising trends, visit www.marketing-interactive.com.